0: In this corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now, me, I am handsome Nick Costos, and you'd think, dear listener, that I'm coming off a natural high. Why? Because myself and the Brian Campbell made our debut on the E, the entertainment network on Wednesday night for our interview with Nikki Bella back on radio row at WrestleMania. People are sending me screenshots saying, handsome Nick, look how good you look. How great is this? You're on network television for the second time in just a week. I was on inside the NBA last week. Humble brag, pat on the back, Barry Horowitz for yours truly. But you know what? I can't get past the fact that my shirt, my white shirt is billowing out of my pants and I look fat in the picture. The fact that I don't look good in the picture has ruined the entire thing for for me, And I am no longer happy about the fact that that was my network television debut on the EAT Network. And do you know why that is? It's because I am a pathetic, petty, insecure little man who obsesses over every little thing, and I am vain till my dying breath. Handsome Nick Kostos, the dichotomy of yours truly. And as always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First off, he is the lover of all things Russia. You know him better as the Silver King, Adam Silverstein.
1: Hey now...
0: And of course, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee.
2: Come on!
0: He is the icon. Let's go! He is the main event. Bring it! He is the showstopper. Amen. He is the whole effing show. One time. He is the pod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. He is the mast that guides the cast. Go time. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell oh
2: yeah
0: bc tell them what's on the podcast
2: do
3: yourselves that favor yes and get some of this broskies it's been a wild couple of months for the itc wrestling pod with enough big name interviews and loaded pay-per-view rewind segments to get you both giddy and aroused i heard you laugh i
2: heard you get off
3: on it brother But this week, folks, we turn back the clock. This week, we stripped down the show to the bare bones and basics. No gimmicks, no distractions, just straight wrestling debate with a sprinkle of them DMs the way we know you like it, guaranteed to keep you happy. How happy
2: is Katie fit?
3: (laughs) But enough (laughs) of those type of sound drops. It's time once again to get down to business. Cook up another dose of the one substance you won't need a tactical vest to cover up. Yes, that performance enhancing audio. So let me hand back the keys of the pod to the most passionate man in North America. He's Greek and he's ready to meet you, ladies. All of you. Hello, ladies. It's handsome Nick
0: Costos. No, I am Greek. I am ready to meet you. I'm also, unfortunately, bloated at the moment, not feeling my best. But as always, a great introduction by the Victor Conti, the cousin Yuri, the King Balco, the first of our performance-enhancing audio, the Brian Campbell, gentlemen. As always, we begin in this corner with the main event.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening.
0: You know that was bright. Like you couldn't have you, you screwed that up, buddy. You screwed that up. We're gonna keep this in the podcast because I think it's funny for the listeners. But like, why can't you get the sound effects right? Like we do the same thing every week, BC. What the hell's going on with these sound effects, buddy?
3: The soundboard is a mess. There's just there's too there's too much sound, so little time. It's just it's a mess right now.
0: All right, all right. I kind of feel the same way about WWE programming these days. So <laughs> it it is a three part main event, and everything dovetails. Together. So we're going to talk about the TLC pay-per-view made event, which I thought was one of the worst things I've ever seen. We will get into Finn Balor's match against AJ Styles and then jumping out to Kane on Monday Night Raw. But guys, we must begin with Monday Night Raw. Under siege hashtag under siege by Shane McMahon and the Smackdown live roster ahead of survivor series. We did not see raw get any retribution on Smackdown live. Plus the booking of four champion versus champion matches for survivor series, the shield against the Usos Miz and Baron Corbin, Alexa bliss and Natalia and Brock Lesnar and Jinder Mahal, Brian Campbell begin emptying the tank because I know you've got a lot to say on what we saw over the past four days ago. Or so in WWE. Look, we don't lie
3: to the listeners on the show, and I can't lie to you either, Nick and Silver King. This 48 hours from TLC through the ending of Raw was one of the most painful stretches I've had as a fan, and I know this sounds dramatic, right? In some time. I mean, I really compare it to that dead zone in 2015 between Mania and SummerSlam, where it was just mailed in booking and nothing was going on. It really made me want to walk away from the screen and take a timeout. Something that WWE doesn't do and something that if you're going to follow it, you don't get that chance. I know you're saying, oh, what are you talking about, cams? I love the end of that main event at TLC. I love Angle in the tactical vest. I love the violence on Raw to end Monday night. And that's fine. You can love that all you want. But you're also educated wrestling fans. A lot of you in your 30s like us. You should demand more of the time you put in because, guys, look, there's a lot of bad booking. And in WWE, sometimes we see a lot of bad booking. There's different kinds, right? There's lazy booking with lack of imagination. There's sometimes that Cena, super Cena-style superhero booking. There's a way too much 50-50 booking. But we all have our non-negotiables at fans, the things that we just won't stand for, the things that just piss us off. And to me, the worst kind of booking is when you violate the spirit of the actual character. That's a position where I get in as a fan where I can't just say, Oh, it's fun. It's pro wrestling. what do you want? You know what I want? I want stories that make sense with the dots connecting. I want a product that is a representation of shoot fighting. Like I'm an MMA and boxing fan and journalist. I watch pro wrestling because it's kind of an extension of that. Yes, I'll let the supernatural happen. Yes, I'll let, you know, Rey Mysterio Jr. win the heavyweight championship. That's fine. It's part of the package, but the foundation is real. It's got to be an extension of what might really happen. And I'm sorry, I'm going to start off right off the top, Nick. You tell me if I'm wrong, but that Invasion, the Under Siege, which, by the way, gave Steven Seagal a bad name in the end for what the crap they put out there, it does not stand in line with the characters. You can't roll out a group of baby faces and heels. And I'm okay, by the way, with the baby faces and heels getting along for the same mission. That happens every year at Survivor Series. It's an uneasy relationship. That's not my problem. Seeing baby faces with no setup whatsoever, no seeds planted, walk in and do gang-style warfare on guys in the Raw locker room, seeing AJ Styles take down the Good Brothers, seeing uh, Chad Gable take out his former partner Jason Jordan with the kind of vitriol, the kind of anger that's normally reserved with, this guy beat up a member of my family, this guy robbed for me. What were they really fighting for, Nick? The love of the blue brand? A t-shirt? Are you kidding me? WWE spent one year telling us that brand versus brand doesn't matter. So you can't on Monday night just decide it suddenly now matters. And whether you're about to tell me I'm going overboard or not, everything is connected. All my anger from TLC, which we'll talk about, ran right into Raw. It's all connected. And in the end, it all stunk and was a little bit unoriginal, a little bit too lazy and totally unbelievable. And I just don't stand for
0: that. You know, I I think that first off, I I don't think that you're necessarily wrong. We always say it all the time. Wrestling's very subjective, right? So you certainly have a right to feel that way. And I agree with a lot of what you said. Like, to me, the fact that you've got Becky Lynch out there, like, who's a total babyface. Shinsuke Nakamura is a total babyface. I didn't like the fact that the faces, the New Day, were involved, like you said, in these gang-style beatdowns, and they just gave you no reason before the fact to think that this was even a possibility. Like, there had not even been a tease that, you know, SmackDown and Raw were gearing up for this Survivor Series. That's the problem to me. It's like, I actually kind of like it in a vacuum to say, okay, now this gets us interested for Survivor Series. Because let's be honest, it was kind of a cool way to end the show. It was just kind of executed, maybe not the way that you liked it. Because now I'm a little more excited for Survivor Series. as a little juicier that left you on SmackDown Live with that cliffhanger with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon saying, Raw's going to be here at some point. It's going to keep you watching. When's it going to happen, Bri? You said cliffhanger,
3: right? Cliff- I did. All right, sorry, just making sure.
0: Oh no, I like I I like that by you, but yeah, but now I'm a little excited to see what's going to happen at Survivor Series. But I did not like that, Bry. I am with you. That I I I hated the fact that all of a sudden the SmackDown brand were portrayed as total heels. So that was a little weird to me. I did not love it. But it is worth noting that on SmackDown Live on Tuesday night, Shane McMahon got a massive babyface reaction from the crowd, and also the SmackDown roster got a major babyface reaction when. They teased the SmackDown versus Raw match coming up. So I think fans are actually buying into it, Brian. And that's where I think that you're wrong to hate this. I feel like you let your opinions maybe of TLC bleed into raw. There were parts of this that were bad. We'll get the silver Kings taken just a minute here Ron. it. It could kind of break the tie here, but I liked a lot of the principles behind it. I like it moving forward. I like the setup of the main event coming up or survivor series, but there were little things that I didn't like, like the faces being involved in the gang style beatings. As you said, I can't look
3: back that because it's not hard guys. You can't, I know there's a lot of uh, intelligent people in the back room at WWE, there's a quality control problem here. You don't have one person that says, all right, this is a great idea. But, you know, the bridges don't connect. Maybe we should drop just a little bit more of a seed, right? Maybe we should just do a little bit more. There was no
0: seed. There was no, no seed. And that is a problem. You're right. And
3: Shane did a straight up heel turn. It was like a brainwash. All these To see all these people run through the crowd and do this, like you didn't believe that they that they actually cared, that their character should care. You spent so long establishing their character. And then you turn it on a dime. That's what gets me. I don't stand for that. Then I don't stand for that now, and I'll never stand for that forever. Nick, because it's short-sighted, lazy booking that in the end just makes no sense. It doesn't take long to fix that. And I think on a whole, this felt very much to me like a Vince thing. From TLC through WWE Raw on Monday Night, it felt like Vince booking the kind of well, Vince.
0: Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, Brian, Vince it, is in charge, so yeah. yes.
3: But here, not coming at you with inside stories or sources or nuggets. I'm coming at you as a fan. You know what we saw over the internet over the last 48 hours? Triple H in South America filling in the hole that AJ Styles left when he went to save the TLC card. Triple H went down there, performed in a match, did some dancing, you know, to help the ticket sellers down there. And that's fine. But you know what the image as a fan this gave you? The things you love about NXT, the things you love if you're a Triple H disciple about me, about his booking style, how he gets it. That was removed from the equation. He physically wasn't there. And what you saw was a 100% Vince thing. And it's showing me, if it hadn't showed you before, his time has passed. This type of booking sucks. It's over for this. You're slowing down the potential to move money. You're slowing down the potential to really gain a hot fire new audience of former players. I think, I,
0: I, think, I think this is an insane take. I, ha- I have to check yeah. on this here. Uh, that, that Vince McMahon, is, is, it's done. Like, come on.
1: No way. I completely agree. And I also just want to make a slight correction for you. Triple H went down to Santiago Chile, not because of AJ Styles. Kevin Owens had a family emergency, had to leave and go home. So Triple H didn't want the fans to be left without a star on the show. So he came down, did the whole thing with New Day, which if you haven't seen it, you should really watch it online. But I just wanted to get that correction in before we continued. Yeah, but I'll... Did the same thing, it filled a hole of a ticket seller that wasn't there.
3: But it only, I mean, you know, we're going to get into a lot more of this from the way that Oscar was presented to everything. But it felt like with Triple H not there, and again, we don't know the full dynamics behind the scenes. You can read great things, right? Like that great Vice story that came out in December. I'm reading Justin Roberts' book right now, which really gives you a a certain level of a snapshot behind the scenes, but we don't really know. But there's one thing that was really missing, and it was logic in the way that things were booked. And again, you could love the brawl at the end of Raw, and again, you could love. The fireworks in that TLC match. But guys, you can't sit here and tell me that it all connects and that it all makes sense. And this is not a problem this weekend, not a problem this year. It's really a problem this decade. Like, get it together, evolve with it. It's not like this, it's almost like this is 1994 all over again, guys. And WWE's booking is behind. And because their booking is behind, it opened the door for places like WCW and ECW to come in and take some of the business. Different circumstances for both, granted. But it opened the door for that. I'm feeling right now that they're just behind the times. They just
0: don't get it. This is unacceptable. Silver King, go ahead, break the tie. What did you think of what we saw on Monday night, the under siege angle?
1: Kind of like last week, there's not really a tie to break because you both are so right here. Look, it's impossible to build and make fans believe that brand versus brand suddenly matters for one month out of a 12-month calendar. There's little seeds, BC, like you said, that you can plant not just the two weeks before you know the start of November, but throughout, nice. throughout the year. You can just here and there drop these little things. And WWE didn't do that. But you know what? That's okay. Because you have to choose one of two directions. Either you plant the seeds at the beginning or you follow up after the action takes place and explain it. And BC and I were talking Monday night, and he was flipping out, and I was trying to calm him down, trying to keep him involved in professional wrestling, because I think he was teetering on the edge right there, definitely. And I said, you know what? Let's see what happens Tuesday night on SmackDown. Because Shane could come out, the superstars could come out, and they could very easily explain, hey, Shane decided to give us bonuses if we do this. Hey, Shane rallied us because he said, you know, we'll get this benefit. We'll get a title shot, the faces, if we team up with the heels. There's a million different ways they could have done, done it. And you know what? Immediately after Monday Night Raw, as the SmackDown roster was driving to the next city, they cut a ton of social media videos kind of, Amping themselves up and, and getting this hashtag under siege trending and exi- exciting the fan base, and it started working. My but it problem, didn't ex- but, oh, it didn't explain
3: it in those no, videos. Well,
1: that's that's my problem. My problem isn't what happened to Monday. My problem isn't that they didn't put you know seeds there throughout the months or weeks leading up to it. My problem is they didn't follow it up on Tuesday night with a cogent explanation of why did this happen. That's all they had to do. Shane, the, re- the superstars in the back could have been talking. Hey, you did didn't you- feel like they did that. You didn't feel like they did that? Not really. You said, night? No, because all Shane really so said was, all, all Shane was really really said was, hey, my dad taught me for, I'm going to get in a fight to strike first.
3: Yeah, that, Nick, that makes no sense. You know what also makes no sense, Nick? Stephanie McMahon is the commissioner on the other side of Raw. She's got no part in this. Her brother just came in and beat up all of her superstars. Like, put the kayfabe hat on for a second. It makes no sense. You're leaping from one block to another without the in-between and the
0: reason why i said and you know i i I, I disagree i disagree with this point that you guys are making completely here because they explained it look you might not like the explanation which is fine and well within your right. rights to not like it but they, they made the explanation the explanation is it's smackdown versus raw coming up at survivor series they wanted to strike first so they struck first look maybe you that, don't like that which is fine but that, but that no, that's, that's the reason right. that's not
3: good enough to justify character turns that sharp and that ridiculous
0: like, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that point right. that you're making. I'm, me, I'm saying that they made the explanation. You might not like it, but they made one. They, they gave, I, gave the, the expl
1: sorry, they gave the explanation for why Shane was motivated to do it. They didn't give the explanation for why the wrestlers were motivated to do it. There had to be a financial incentive or a competition incentive or something else that they, they wanted to they do.
0: Talked, it. They, they talked about it throughout the show, a couple of them did. That they, that it's for brand loyalty. And look, why? you might not like that. Listen, I'm not saying that I love it. That like I, I agree. Plant the seeds in advance. Then you've got something cool. I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like, they gave you an explanation. You might not like the explanation, but there was an explanation.
3: All right. But the re- my thing is this. There's so many hours of TV per week on WWE. It's not like, well, we've got two hours on Superstars on Saturday, and we don't have Raw for another six days. There's more than enough time to explain every little detail. So this comes across as worse than Lazy. Like I said, I can deal with lazy booking as long as the foundation is still secure. People are acting how they should. The reason why I say this feels like a Vince thing, and I uttered, you know, the the blasphemy of Vince's time has passed, even though he was in his blasphemous. Past- is was is blasphemous. this? This is mirrors Vince's stubborn reputation and style that undermines the intelligent and patience of the crowd. That basically, it's like. You're going to keep coming back no matter what. I don't care that the dots didn't connect because you're going to keep coming back because we're number one in town. And, you you know, we're always going to leave you short of getting what you want because we know you're going to keep coming back. And it's like this stubbornness that is not the best for business. It makes no sense. You know what it leads to? It leads to not getting to the level financially that you probably could. One, it leads to not growing your fan base like you probably could. two. And number three, it leads to not building true superstars because things don't match up and things don't make sense. I know there's another argument with 50-50 booking that better fuels that last point that I'm saying, but that's why you don't have crossover superstars because people are constantly doing what Finn Balor just did, right? Have a great match, beat AJ Styles, lose to Kane the next day for no reason. And that's why this whole weekend, that's why that 48-hour block is all connected because it's just stubborn ridiculousness. You
0: have so much time, you have so many people employed there Put out your best product. Why not? Right? Well, well, dude, I'll I'll say it. And I've been honest with the audience from day one. Generally, now that like especially – and this was the case really like for the most part even like before I was working in sports when I was in high school, et cetera. I'm, a, I'm a, a football fan first and foremost. And I probably like the NFL more than I like wrestling. I'll be totally honest. Wrestling's probably my second love behind the NFL, but I like WWE better than any other sport. So generally in the fall, I'm not as locked into wrestling. And really over the last however many years since I've been working in this industry, hosting shows for CBS primarily on the NFL during NFL season, I don't really watch WWE. I mean, I keep up with what's going on. I watch the pay-per-views, but I'm not locked into Raw and SmackDown every week. I basically take off football season. Why? Because WWE essentially takes off football season right and then I come back in for the Royal Rumble for WrestleMania season leading up to SummerSlam and then I take my little sabbatical and I, and I lock into the NFL now because I'm doing this podcast I'm locked into wrestling so I'm making sure I'm watching Raw I'm watching Smackdown I'm watching the pay-per-views so I, I don't disagree they do this every year this isn't just a, a, a 2017 problem this is a every year problem oh, where the, the product f- stinks Bry, in the <laughs> fall every year this is what happens they underbook every year. Underbooking just means we're going to be lazy.
3: We're going to repeat a feud. The the guy you think is going to win is going to win in the end. There's not going to be a good... stuff.
0: not that, serve. though. We're, I don't think it's that. that I think it's the same pretty- problem with New Japan, right? Where, like, we have a DM question. I'm not gonna, I, won't, I won't spoil the question. But, like, why aren't you guys talking New Japan? Because because what happens is they have the G1, and all the wrestlers go out there and bust their ass for for a, a month straight, and then it basically tapers off until Wrestle Kingdom. It's sort of the same thing. It's not that they're underbooking. It's that they can't... Can't, they can't, I'm not going to say what I want to say, but they You're can't give point. you everything because they got to give you WrestleMania. So You're missing save it until that. completely, Nick. You're trying to say
3: every year they underbook. Haven't you been watching? They underbook. This isn't an underbooking problem, Nick. I just said if it was lazy booking, I'd understand it because I love this art form. I'll stick through lazy booking because I see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is almost blowing up all your storylines for reasons that don't make sense. Having people act certain ways that don't make sense. Having 50-year-old Kurt Angle put the shield vest on and be booked like superhuman in a five-on-two match. By the way. Sense. Don't make sense. Nick, I would rather have underbooking than bad booking, than things that really make me as a fan feel like an idiot for giving seven to nine hours a week of my time. That's the point. You got to get that.
0: You got to okay, suck so, on that. You got to get on it. Uh, you know you know that I'll do both of those things, or maybe not. But as it concerns, <laughs> just a real quick, before we get to TLC, um, I will say this. We, and mostly I, have been critical of, like, the acting and microphone performances since they both came back of Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon. I think both guys have been sensational. And I thought Angle was awesome on Monday night. We'll get into Sunday night in a second here. But Angle on Monday night, that was a hell of an acting performance by him. He sold the hell out. And I'll be honest. Like, sincerely, like, you know what it comes down to? I actually... Didn't hate it as much as you did, and I thought SmackDown was a good show, and I'm actually fired up to watch Survivor Series now. I might be the only one out of the three of us, Silver King. I don't know if you, uh, whose side you're more on here. I did not hate the end of Raw, and I definitely did not hate SmackDown now, Live. I'm, I didn't
1: hate it. I'm way more on your side than BC's. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with this, but I do agree with Brian in that you had to either set it up before you know, or pay it off after, and they did neither. Look, you could annoy me like with with lazy booking, but just don't insult my
3: intelligence. And this insults my intelligence. And it goes back to TLC on Sunday night. And it might be the right time to say it. Look, did it have fun spots in that 35-minute main event? And did it have social media buzzing? Yeah. But the story made no sense. There were so many unbelievabilities that you had to leap over to get to the end of it. And here's the very structure of that. What did we say last week? What was I harping on? That guy's on paper, three versus five just really doesn't make a lot of sense. Do you know what it was? Do
0: you know what it was? This was was the Doomsday Cage match. That's what this was. This was WWE's Doomsday Cage match. And if I I had
3: to hear another person on Twitter come at me and say, Don't you understand? It's just fun. It's like action movie booking. Don't you love Commando and Rambo? I love both of those. I love action movie booking. But you know what action movie booking really is? It's traditional Super Cena Hogan Reigns booking, where, yeah, the good guys push to the ropes, but eventually he comes through and wins in the end. You know what the good guy doesn't do? He doesn't beat up innocent people like we saw on Monday night, and it's not as just absurd as Sunday night when it's really fun. Nick, that's a five-on-two match because Angle goes out early. So the team, the shield comes back. They're weakened, right? Because Reigns is out and Angle's in his place. And by the way, you blew. You're going to do the Angle return. You blew it, putting him in the in the tactical vest. And you can argue me on that. But you didn't get the you know the full you suck the entrance and all that. Maybe you're saving that. It's a five-on-two match, Nick. I don't care that Braun Strowman turned at some point during that match. It's a five-on-two match. And we're going to sit here and believe that those two are going to hold them off that long. It's not a tag team match. It's a wide-open match. And then angles gonna come back from injury at like fifty can I, superhuman. Can I, can, I, can
0: I take the floor here? Because I got a lot to say about this. <laughs> I, I I legitimately, there are a lot of people that I really respect, right? Who have great wrestling opinions, who are great wrestling fans, who I consider to be pretty smart and intelligent people. Many of them are in the IWC. Our buddy Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer is one of them, and he gave the match four and a quarter stars. The main event of <laughs> I'm gonna say this. I tweeted this, and I mean this sincerely. WWE has given us a lot of dreck in the last 15, 20 years. One thing that comes to mind is when they hung the big boss man from the Hell in a Cell after The Undertaker beat him at WrestleMania 15. Just ridiculous stuff. It's like, you scratch your head. What the hell? Katie Vick, the soundbite that you played. I think there's a chance that the main event of TLC was the worst thing WWE has done since The Undertaker rose, quote-unquote, At the 1994 Royal Rumble, and then came back to fight his twin at at whatever, WrestleMania 11, whatever. I might have the year mixed up, whatever the hell that was, 94, 95, whatever it was. It was. Atrocious! That was WWE's equivalent of the Doomsday Cage match. It was an overbooked, absolute, hot, garbage, dumpster fire mess that should be heavily four and a quarter stars. It was negative four stars. It was complete and total garbage. You had a 15-minute stretch that felt like it was three hours long where they were just (laughs) beating down Ambrose and Rollins. My God, these guys would have been dead if this were real life. And I know it's not real life, but at least have to, like, this to me, Bri, was infinitely more insulting than what we saw on Monday night was that garbage in the main event on Sunday night. That was a horrible main event. It was horribly booked. And I don't give a damn that you had to scramble at the last minute because Roman Reigns wasn't in the match. You Are you, are you kidding? You put Braun Strowman in a freaking garbage truck. Like they killed Braun Strowman. Like it's a South Park. Oh my God, they killed Kenny, except this isn't a cartoon. And now Braun Strowman's going to come back in two weeks. He would have been killed by the trash compactor. That was horrible. The beat downs. That was horrible. The predictable ending. That was horrible. I don't care that some of the spots were cute. I don't care that Kurt Angle made the superhero comeback. I don't care that the good guys won in the end. That was insulting. It was a mess. It was the worst thing that I've seen WWE do in 15 or 20 years. You're better than that. They could have put off a better match than that. The booking could have been better. What a complete, outright, abject failure that was on Sunday night. Pathetic. And anyone that thinks that was a good match should examine your head because that was hot, Garbage.
2: Terrible. Terrible. Oh, my
3: God. So well said. Thank you for saying what needed to be said, Nick. You know what I mean? Because you know what? Wrestling's still real to me, damn it. It can still be Shakespeare. I know Bill Shakespeare. I'm friends with Bill Shakespeare. That ain't Shakespeare, all right? That that ain't anything close right, to it.
0: Right, And I'll say this, right? You were pissed off on Monday night? Like, I think legitimately what happened on Sunday night was... Leagues worse, exponentially worse than Monday.
3: Sunday night's the layered foundational cake. Monday night is like the the candle or the or the candy piece on top. That's like a middle finger to you. That's like you 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 thought that that piece of crap we gave you on Sunday night was bad. Here's a little extra flavoring. Here's some icing. If you on
0: hated top. that, wait till you see this. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly because if you thought that was unbelievable Sunday night, get ready. It's just I can guys. And again, the action movie reference, which everybody hit me up on Twitter with an action movie, guess what? Yeah, the start like a Roman Reigns. If that, if Roman Reigns was booked for that Sunday night, I'd be pissed because it's lazy. But I'd be like, all right, I get it. Kurt Angle at
0: 48 is not Roman Reigns, so stop it. Like, hey, may I, may I, mea culpa here. I will mea culpa here because we did the instant analysis pod on Friday when the news broke, and I said Kurt Angle, I'm I'm cool with it because the situation merited it. They wasted Kurt Angle's comeback. They wasted it. And you know, I didn't feel that way before the match, and I stand by my original opinion that. It could have been done correctly, like when Angle leaves, right? He should have come back out in the singlet in a milk truck or something, at least to give us something cool. It was awful. They wasted it in a terrible match with terrible booking. So, Bri, you turned out to be right on that because you said on Friday that you thought it was a waste of Kurt Angle. Guess what? You were proven to be correct. So I hated it. Brian hated it. Silver King, did you hate the main event of TLC?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. Let's, let me start off. It was awful, and I'm not going to repeat everything you guys said because you said it already, and Nick said it way better than I could have because there was such that New York Nick passion right behind it. I, I'm going to say this. Two parts here. The first part is this. The match concept from the beginning, before Kurt Angle got added, before Roman Reigns got the mumps or a viral infection or whatever the hell that was, it was a flawed concept to begin with, and we all knew that. The five-on-three from the start wasn't good. We all predicted, or at least Brian and I predicted, the heels were going to go on to win, and we figured there'd be some kind of retribution at Survivor Series in a real five-on-five match. What I think needs to be understood about this match, and again, this doesn't change my opinion that it was absolutely terrible, it wasn't action movie booking. It was house show booking. What WWE did in this match, was, and also in the AJ Styles-Finn Balor match, which we'll get to, is they said, look, We kind of got screwed storyline-wise. We're going to completely scrap the way this match was going to end. We're going to completely scrap our plans for this match and these characters heading into Survivor Series. And all we're going to do is send the fans home happy. Now, that doesn't mean that the match was good and we liked it home happy. What it means is that in a house show, the faces win. The face usually wins the main event. If you have a returner like Kurt Angle, they go over big. It doesn't have to make sense. You have Triple H... Grinding and, and, and uh, I'm forgetting the word I'm looking for with the New Day in the middle of the ring. You're the New Day chasing Randy Orton around the ring like some comedy, you know, circus gag at a house show. That's what happens in a house show when Kurt Angle and when AJ Styles were added. Yes, it was somewhat for us, the audience at home, to to still tune in and maybe still buy subscriptions if people really like Kurt Angle. But it, what it was really for was the people that bought tickets to that show to get some star power, and that's why it transpired the way it did. That's why Kurt Angle came back to the hero's welcome at the end and won. And that's why it was terrible, but it was reasonable in some manner.
3: A oh, great point on the show, but the result ultimately here, Nick, and tell me if you agree on this, you killed the shield. You just brought the, the shield back and now you killed them. Why did you uh, kill
0: them? I don't Come know. Up? I don't know about that. Like, Reigns got sick. Like, what are you going to do? Like, that I kind of disagree it, with. Without Reigns,
3: with, with, a, with a Hall of Famer who hasn't wrestled in forever, they just beat five guys. So no
0: one's gonna beat the Shield now.
3: It's impossible to beat the Shield. You didn't even have Reigns, and you beat five
0: guys in impossible Bri, fashion. Bri, Right. Wrestling's, wrestling's fake, Bri. Like this. Yes, yes, they can. They can be beaten, okay. and no, they will be the beaten. Internet.
3: Don't play the internet. Wrestling's fake. That's like saying just enjoy the action movie. Okay. No, I don't. Don't insult me. Don't insult me. But you, but, know, like, but, but you know that what I'm saying is true, though, right? But you killed them, so that's why I don't care anymore. And unless you're gonna give me a reason why week to week. I'm out right now. I know this is a hamster wheel as a wrestling fan. You're in a hamster wheel, right? There's seasons. There's seasons of of just love and hatred for this art form. That's why we stick with it for so many years. But come on, there's got to be things that pull me out of the puddle, Nick, and things like we saw with AJ Styles to complete this triple threat main event does not pull me out of the gutter, Nick, because you know what the fans got Sunday night? They got a surprise that they deserved that they weren't going to get. And that's AJ versus Finn Balor. And while it wasn't five star, it was an A match. It was freaking fantastic with no storyline to build. The chemistry between them was incredible. Nick, WWE just stumbled into gold, right? Illness played played a role. They had to fly AJ up from South America. They stumbled into gold. Next pay-per-view is a cross-brand pay-per-view anyway. You can have A.J. versus Finn. Everything makes sense. Give the people what they want. Nick, if we were going into A.J. Finn right
0: now on Monday night. But but, you're wrong, because you know what the people want? The people want Kane. The people want (laughs) John Jacobs, 50 years old, obviously, right, bud? That's got to be Kane! That's got to be Kane! So... Twenty years and later, it's incredible.
3: Heard me just rant and heard all of us just rant. Be like, all right, Campbell, like enough. We, I you know it. The TLC match was overbooked, and Monday night, I kind of liked it. So People
0: like days. the TLC match; like it's insane. Like, if, right. you're listening, if you're listening to this and you like the TLC main events, I don't think we can be friends. I gave
3: it four and a quarter, guys. It's not the SummerSlam main event. That was Car wreck perfection. This was not Car wreck perfection. But let me just go to this. If I had any bright spots, any red spots left in my dark wrestling heart, they were put out to pasture. When Finn comes out and okay, first of all, why is answer me this? Why is Kane single-handedly taking out the Shield, the new Shield, which is now Rollins, Ambrose, and AJ Styles, which also didn't make any sense. Kane single-handedly took out three of the top four babyfaces in the company. It makes no then sense. then cut a promo and buried Braun Strowman, who was probably buried because he got killed on Sunday night. Yeah, no, and,
0: like, no, like they no, like they killed Braun Strowman, like like he and, went into a trash and, compactor, and then beat Finn Balor clean.
3: This is why we can't have nice things. WWE. This is why you don't have crossover superstars outside of Cena right now, or maybe Lesnar because holy crap, you let Finn go over AJ in one of the better matches of the year. And then he lost a cane clean. Nick, I mean, come on, give me one reason to stay here or I'll, or I'll turn right back around. Give me one reason to watch
0: next week. Save me. Get pull me out of the puddle. What's going on here? Was that like a that little Evanescence you just gave us? That was pretty good. Save me. Um, I'm kind of into the uh, the Raw versus SmackDown thing. So I'm I'm kind of into that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. I'm looking forward Wait, to watching Angle oh, on Raw. Talk about Kane in-, in uh, though that I can't talk about. Like, if that's what you're basing it on, you should never watch wrestling again because that made absolutely no sense. Like, this is sort of like, okay, we're kind of like, all right. Like, your Vince McMahon point, I think, was a little hasty. And look, you're emotional in the moment. I get emotional, too. We're fans. We love the product. We're not going to stop watching, obviously. But look, I had my little mini meltdown a couple months ago where I was done with the product, and then I kept watching it because that's what I do because I'm a fan. The cane thing is indefensible, and that's a Vince thing, right? There is literally not one person, maybe Glenn Jacobs' family, who were like, you know what this food could use? 50-year-old cane. That's that's what this could really use. And by the way, now he's wearing the mask again after not wearing the mask, and now he's back to being the demon, and he's back to being a heel. He's been a heel in a face seventy five times throughout his career. It just makes no sense. Tell Why me what. He come- but,
3: but tell me what Triple H thought when he got off the plane and he landed. And again, we're not talking even talking about Oscar yet. And he saw you had Finn Balor go over AJ and what every fan ever would have wanted, and then you let your fifty year old kid like that's a that's a, you said it's a Vince thing a million percent. There's got to be people inside the walls of that company going, what the hell are we doing here? Of
0: course there of course- are. It was, it, it, that's indefensible. Like I, like I said, I think you can defend a lot of what happened in the last 40 years. It doesn't make it right, but you can defend it. The one thing I don't think you can defend is like the TLC-made event. I thought that was hot garbage. But you can def- you can actually even defend that if you actually tried to. I mean, you could. You'd be wrong, but you could. The kane Finn Balor thing is indefensible because you're trying to build Finn Balor up as the star. Like, he's going to get fed to Lesnar at some point, right? At least that's what we thought the plan was going to be. Who the hell knows now? But, like, what you've done is you've shown people – Finn can't beat a big guy. And that's when he goes to fight Lesnar. That's what it's going to be. And it totally killed all of Finn's momentum. It made. And why? To feed him to Kane. And like, and this is the problem. Like, like Feeding Braun Strowman to Brock Lesnar was such a big mistake. And we said it at the time. I know you wanted to put Lesnar over, WWE did, to make it even better at WrestleMania when, when, he, goes, when he drops to Roman Reigns. But that was a mistake because it killed Braun Strowman's momentum. And now you think you're going to get it back by putting him over Kane, no one cares about Kane. And you know what's going to happen next? No one's going to care about Braun Strowman. And that's my fear now. I don't give a damn about Kane. Kane's had his time under the sun. He's a Hall of Famer. Give him the Rolex and send him off to whatever cemetery he hangs out at with the remains of Katie Vick. But don't you dare kill Braun Strowman, and don't you dare kill Finn Balor, WWE. What the hell was that? Vince
3: doesn't care about the fans. He does not oh, that's, care that. Oh, okay, well, hear me out for a second, all right? AJ Finn had the two-sweet moment. I got goosebumps. It was incredible. It was that awesome. Was it may have been the best moment, pure moment, field spot, all that, in of the whole year. I'm talking. I'm saying it. Of the whole year. It took everything they did in Japan, which they were hold hot and cold time, on the last. It brought it full front. It was great. Should they have used Gallows and Anderson? and started a feud 100%. But that moment was awesome. That moment is dead, Nick. That moment is dead. I don't think Vince cares about the fans. I don't think so. Show me, show me, show me
0: where he could possibly care about the fans. Well, I mean, there's there's different degrees of what you're saying here. Like overall, like does he sometimes like like yeah, of course. Like when everyone wanted Daniel Bryan in the main event of WrestleMania 30, and he and he wanted to do Batista and Randy Orton. Like of course, this has been going on for years, but I, I, I just think we should slow it down a little bit with that. That like he cares about the fans he might be a little out of touch. I don't think his time has completely passed him by, but obviously he's been making weird decisions booking-wise for years, 100%. There's no question about it. When you
3: read the inside stuff, Nick, and again, we don't only know—you know—we only know one side of the story. It seems like it's a bottleneck company where Vince still has the stamp at the end of the line. Okay, so it's—I
0: mean, I'm not going to curse, but like, no bleep, like, of course.
3: So it's still one guy booking the territory, and it's not best for business. Like, there's just nothing that it—and I know it hasn't been for a while, but moments like this weekend are the tipping points of where you just like, enough is enough. Do you
0: realize where you could be right now? Silver King, yes. thoughts on, thoughts um, on you know, Kane,
1: Finn Balor, and Braun Strowman. Okay, I'm not going to even discuss Kane and Finn Balor. I mean, it's, that's just absurd. Regarding Vince, like, yeah, you have moments like this with him booking, but you also have the SummerSlam, SummerSlam main event that you guys got that hit your all-time feel spots, and you were bragging for months that you were at SummerSlam and saw this incredible match That happens.
0: He's the salty king. Salty king was not there (laughs) with us in
2: New
1: York. you're You're still getting those moments. You're still getting some ridiculous stuff. Look, Vince had to approve AJ Styles' Finn Balor. Like, he had to say, okay, yes, that's the direction. Let's go do that. So he did give that to you. And BC, you know, you didn't really fully bring it up on this show, but here's the point of contention that I have with you. They were never running this back at Survivor Series. There was no chance we were getting AJ Styles, Finn Balor 2, one-on-one know. match at Survivor why Series. And, and why not? Here's why. Because that's a WrestleMania co-main event. That's a Vince SummerSlam. The fans. That's a SummerSlam. <laughs> Co- that's a SummerSlam co-main event. It's not and let's just throw it to them at Survivor Series. They already had their moment. They just threw it to us, Adam, at TLC. Because they had to to give the fans in attendance who purchased an event to see Sister Abigail and the Demon something that would make up for Roman Reigns and Sister Abigail not being there. That's point number two I want to make. All WWE did on TLC was they flipped the crap. Instead of Finn Balor's match being the crap... And TLC being good, it was the TLC match that was crap, and Finn Balor's match being good. That's right, one, that's the end result of it. And just like I said before, one last thing, really quick, they booked it like a house show. The, the Finn Balor yeah. AJ Styles, it was a one-off yeah. for a house show. That's it. Okay, we already.
3: The thing is, though, that the one Well, let's let us let us all the sins see the light of the day. The other sin was why is AJ opening against with, with uh, the, the Shield? Okay, yeah, to get to get viewers to stick around at eight o'clock,
0: it makes no sense. Because AJ attacked the same no, but, guys. No, but, no, the no, 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 but, no. But they paid that they, off in the storyline, though. Like they did pay that off. How do, you, how do they pay it off? Shane because- McMahon said. Shane McMahon said it at the start of SmackDown. That's that, that why they did it. They had AJ there on purpose because they were gonna. That they had it planned in advance. He said it.
3: It's just not good enough. Sorry, it's just not good right, enough. It might
0: not be good enough, but but they did explain it. They, they that did happen. They did explain it.
3: You know, it's like maybe maybe instead of Angle, AJ should have just been part of the Shield. On Sunday night, you could have booked it any way you want, and we wouldn't be where we are right now because you wouldn't have given me the tease of AJ Finn and then pull it right back out of my hands. All right,
0: it's just—it's not—it's not enough because I care, listen, Nick.
3: Listen, I care. All right, listen,
0: and, and and I and I do too, and I appreciate how okay. much you do. And, and look, and look, I'm a huge Mark for us, so. Take this with a grain of salt. That was an electric-made event. I really enjoyed it. Um, About a half hour's worth of great conversation, scintillating stuff, differing opinions on what we saw the last couple days in WWE, TLC, Raw, and SmackDown. So we'll wait to see how it develops moving forward here. I am cautiously optimistic. Brian Campbell ready to nosedive off a bridge. So with that, let us move now. Brian, get the sound effect ready, Bry, for Hero or Zero.
1: All right, right, we're gonna. All right. Hey, Silver King, take it away. All right, we're going to kick it off. Brian alluded to it in the main event with Asuka. She made her debut this week wrestling in back-to-back nights with consecutive wins over Emma. Now that we've seen the debut of multiple NXT stars on the main roster, BC, do you think Asuka's portrayal has been a hero or zero thus far?
3: You know, I, I won't you with the histrionics and the passion, but I have the same passion for this that I showed in the main event, and it's obviously a zero. It's not as hard of a zero. Asuka still came in, had a really good entrance on both Sunday and Monday night. The crowd popped for her huge, but they did screw up the presentation of this. Asuka was unbeaten in almost not a, a Goldberg-like sense, but a devastating-like sense, and once she comes to the main roster, she's really life or death two nights in a row with Emma. I don't mean life or death in the point that she almost lost, but Emma, who's a mid-card female jobber, let's be really honest, got a lot of offense in, and they gave us basically the same match on Sunday night and Monday night, and in both situations you know what Asuka looked like she looked okay she looked watered down she didn't look like something special she is something special Do you want something to illustrate the difference between my triple h and vince point that i tried to make twice in the show already watch this because that's the difference between nxt which is still hip and edgy and cool and where we're going on the main roster where Asuka can come up and just be in a match that's okay that she wins but like Bobby Roode a couple weeks earlier, she didn't carry with her what really made her special in NXT. And they failed.
0: Um, it's an it's a zero for one reason and one reason only. It's so, and this is like, WWE always screws this stuff up. It was the same thing with Nakamura in his debut. Do you know what you do for someone white hot that the crowd's really excited to see? You put them over strong. Do you know what the match should have been? It should have been dead into the ring. Emma bumps for Asuka for two minutes. Asuka lock. Over. Done. And then Emma complains for a rematch on Raw. Asuka comes out. The same thing happens again. Boom. She's strong. Instead, her first appearance on the main roster is her struggling to beat Bri, as you said it, a jobber, right? A jobber. We saw the same thing with Nakamura. Nakamura's first match against Dolph Ziggler should have been Beat him down for two minutes. King Sasha goes over, wins. Everyone's happy. And how do you screw this stuff up? And also, The Empress of Tomorrow. Like, what is that? The title of a bad science fiction novel? Like, a Philip K. Dick like short story? Like, are we trying here? The Empress of Tomorrow. Why can't Bye. you just... Roll the ball out there and let your stars do what they do. They overthought it. They always overthink it. It's a massive zero.
1: Uh, I'm gonna overbooked g- that one. She was Empress of Tomorrow on NXT. That's Yeah, yeah, you overbooked your answer. Uh, that that has been her nickname. That's King of Strong style. It would have been something if they called her the extraordinary Asuka, but she's been that. BC gets the point for the first one. We're gonna move on to number two. Enzo Amore regained the Cruiserweight Championship at TLC, marking the ninth title change in thirteen months and fifth in the last three months. For that strap on the title itself and the division as a whole, Nick, has it been a hero or zero with what WWE is doing with the Cruiserweights?
0: I'm going to give you a really quick answer. It's a zero. And what should WWE do? Cancel 205 Live because it sucks. They don't put any resources into it. There are no characters worth caring about. It's a complete, total, abject waste of my time. Cancel 205 Live if you're not going to do anything better with it. There couldn't be a bigger zero.
3: Wow. That was, wow, that was, that was full bodied and, and brutal and hard from Nick. It sounded like a Saturday night for Nick, to be really honest with you. Well, but, it's
0: uh, like I will Friday, say... Friday, Friday nights at this point, but yeah.
3: Yeah, at the consummation station. I know all about that. All right. Uh, look, it was a hero to put the belt back on Enzo because he's your money ticket, but I have that eerie feeling like we're heading to zero territory because Enzo getting that heel stable, like
0: heading, to heading towards it. I mean, heading towards,
3: towards it. We're there, bro. Boy band comedic moments and Enzo's still chipping out a couple comedic moments here and there, but Nick couldn't have said it better on the division, which I love the idea of. I love some of the execution of even with Enzo back with the belt. She's not going in the right direction. Strip it down. Let these guys do what they do best wrestle and let that be the only thing that matters. Overall, it's kind, of, it's kind of, the, the whole thing's a zero right
1: now. One thing neither of you mentioned, the division also lost its best superstar in Neville. And you know I wanted to cancel 205 Live about four months ago, so Nick gets the point right there. Moving on to number three, while we are focused on Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, and others, WWE is giving some mini-pushes to Alicia Fox and Becky Lynch, with each earning the opportunity to captain their own Survivor Series team. BC, what do you think about these two in particular, getting a bit of the spotlight back, hero or zero? Overall, this idea is
3: kind of a zero, but I'm going to give a slight hero to Fox winning because it was kind of the high pullment when I was ready to jump the clip Monday night on Raw after about two hours and 15 minutes. This was a surprise. This was nice. This was a a cool little moment. I thought Fox's craziness actually came off kind of well done during this match with her ringing the bell and all that. It gave meaning to two matches that needed it for you to sit through and be into, and I think that's always a hero. But overall, here's the thing. What does the captainship mean When every week from now until Thanksgiving, until Survivor Series, we're gonna have more matches for people to earn spots. It's not like the captain is picking the team. So this means absolutely nothing in the end. When things, when matches on regular TV have meaning, it gives, it makes it fun, but there's really no meaning for this in the end. So while I like Fox getting a moment here, There's no captains on the male team either. It means nothing. They haven't given us a reason to think, oh, Fox is crazy. She's going to pick a crazy team now. She's going to go deep and go get some NXT girls. No, it means nothing. It's a zero.
0: Um, I, I kind of like it and the reason why is because like Bliss is obviously a huge star Bliss is going to face Natalia coming up at Survivor Series Charlotte's the biggest star of women's uh, on the women's side either on Raw or SmackDown and Charlotte's going to get a WrestleMania moment she'll be back in the spotlight so I like this here while we're sort of in this this holding pattern until WrestleMania I think Becky Lynch is a really good performer so I like putting Becky Lynch giving her this spot and I've been a fan of Alicia Fox for quite some time I like this when they originally did the Alicia Fox crazy angle when she'd be yelling random things out during her match and throwing temper tantrums after either winning or losing I'm actually kind of in on this because I don't think it's watering down the product because Bliss and Charlotte are still getting their pushes Carmel is still getting her push so I don't think it's it's bad and I like the fact that they're giving some rub and giving the shine to some performers that I think quite frankly deserve it so it's a hero for me
1: yeah, I think uh, they're booking you know three women's angles instead of one for this pay-per-view. That makes sense. And also, I don't know that there are going to be elimination matches for all these Survivor Series teams. I know they're doing it for SmackDown men, but I don't know about the rest. So Nick does get the point there, takes a two-to-one lead. Then why, then why pick the
3: women one way and the men the other way?
1: Because oh, c- none of this booking makes sense anyway. So like, why are you even going to argue it? Let's move on to I'm number saying, four. Though, WWE always says the story never ends. They take pride in that. They take
3: pride in the fact that there's no offseason, that the story never ends then why book like you've booked this weekend where you basically ended stories for no reason or explanation and started new ones. You know, it just, oh. yes. I'm, it, stu- I'm still on the
1: edge. I'm still I know. Cheater. I know you're, fr- I know you're frustrated. Number four here with new day out of the title picture on SmackDown, SmackDown, uh, the tag team dynamics have changed a bit with the Usos taking on some face characteristics and Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin getting a bit edgier this past week. Nick, were Tuesday night's developments for both of those teams in the division as a whole, a hero or a zero?
0: Oh, I think it's a hero. And the reason why I think it's a hero is because I, I, I want to see the Usos develop their characters a little bit. Because these guys are so good. I don't think they need to be pure heels or pure baby faces. I think that they're great as tweeners because they're fully capable of getting heel heat. They're fully capable of drawing face heat. And, and I think that the like, we love the Usos New Day program. And rightfully so. And it wasn't just us. It drew critical acclaim from almost everybody. Gable and Benjamin can both go. So when these two teams have a match, it's going to be spectacular. So I like the added layer here of adding a little bit of a heel, edgy aspect to Gable and Benjamin, adding more of a face aspect to the Usos here. I think this is pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. So it's a hero for yours truly. You can't be half pregnant, And I know this is where you might be past
3: the days of true, you know, definitive you're on one side, you're on the light side, you're on the dark side in terms of the force, right, in terms of good and bad and evil. But, you know, Gable kind of did a heel turn when he joined that SmackDown mob on Monday night. And he's been kind of doing this slow heel turn. I just don't know if I get why. Because I feel like when you decided to push Jason Jordan on his own, that's fine. It hasn't really gone anywhere, but that's fine. Gable and Benjamin was a good idea. Just call him American Alpha. Why not call him American Alpha? Maybe change the t-shirt design or change the color. But you can have different generations. Like the Midnight Rockers had di- you know, I'm sorry, the Midnight Express had different members through the years, right? You can do that. Just call these guys American Alpha. I don't know why they're both kind of switching roles right here. It's not doing as much for me. One thing I know is they will deliver in the ring when they get there. These guys are deserving of a push. I want to see what they can do. I want to see if they if they can have that same chemistry on the high level. I'd like to see them with the belts. But I don't understand changing the personas like this. It's a, it feels like it's a tease that isn't going,
1: isn't going anywhere. This one was close. I'm going to give it to BC. I agree. I don't really necessarily see why. They haven't given us an explanation here. So let's move on to the championship question number five. It's tied 2-2. One night before NXT TakeOver War Games, ahead of uh, Survivor Series, WWE has decided to counter-promote the Ring of Honor show in San Antonio by booking a last-minute NXT house show in the same night in City featuring NXT champion Drew McIntyre against former Bullet Club member Adam Cole with Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee. Cody and the Bullet Club responded by basically cutting a promo, pointing out that WWE does not care much about some of their other competitors, but anything that the Bullet Clubs do in their days these days they're paying some extra special attention to BC Hero or zero on whether this move by WWE means it actually considers the bullet club a legitimate threat. A hundred percent hero. And anybody that wants to hear that promo, check out the
3: ring of honor Twitter account from this past week. It was it was fun. It was uh inventive. They played up a lot of the things from the cease and desist to the whole invasion thing. It does really show. They already had the NXT takeover event one night later in Houston. And they scurry last minute to book this house show a couple hours away in San Antonio and pull up Shawn Michaels to be in this. This totally shows you that they're trying now to block every move that the Bullet Club makes. And when you do that, Cody had the best point. And Cody, by the way, went on another rant in there about how they're stealing his dad's ideas and all this stuff. And he's just basically saying, you're not doing this to the others. You're only doing this to us now. Like, we're on your radar. We knocked at your door and you are responding. And I think he has a point here, guys. WWE has such a lead financially. It's not going to be the 90s over again. It's not going to be WCW versus WWE in a Monday Night Wars thing. Nobody is going to compete financially with them. WWE's not going out of business. They're not going to sell half amount of t-shirts, all that. But look at the crowd at WWE these days, and there's Bullet Club t-shirts everywhere. And look at the fact that the true hardcore fans, the Real marks are telling you left and right. If you're not watching New Japan, if you're not watching Ring of Honor, you're missing out on the best, what's really going on in the world right now. And Dave Meltzer will tell you, you're looking at the top 15 wrestlers in the world. Maybe two or three are in WWE. And I think this was a step further than even cease and desist, which was sort of WWE's way of saying, okay, you went too far. You poked the bear. We're going to try to shut you down now. This is fueling what the Young Bucks are trying to do. And WWE is realizing that. Unless we do something to improve our outdated booking style and our product, these guys are the hip thing right now. A revolution is happening, guys. And again, it's not the financial revolution because no one can compete with them. But this is a new age of technology where you can access anything you want at your fingertips. A revolution is coming. I don't think it'll hurt the business, but I think real fans are knowing and they're going to adapt and move on. These
0: guys are leading the trend, the bull Club, of what's really happening right now and what you should be watching in wrestling. You know what I think is going to happen? And I I want to reference the fact that Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho have been going back and forth on Twitter. And what I think is clearly a work, like I think they're swerving fans to think that they're actually going at it. I mean, they're both from Winnipeg. Omega has done Jericho's podcast before. There's no way that it's real. What I think is going to happen, I think that when Omega and the Young Bucks contracts are up, I think WWE is going to bring them all. I think Omega's coming to WWE. I think the Young Bucks are coming to WWE. And I think Cody Rhodes is coming back to WWE. And I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. And maybe they put him with AJ. Maybe they put him with Finn. Maybe they put him with Gallows. And maybe they put him with Anderson. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I've got this sinking suspicion that at some point in the next six to eight months, let's say. Maybe it's after WrestleMania. Maybe it's before WrestleMania. I don't know what the contract situations are, but I think that they're up around the start of 2018, Omega and the Young Bucks with uh, with New Japan. I think that you are going to see the elites and the main guys in the Bullet Club in WWE. And I think that this might be something that all parties are aware of. I have no inside information. I could very well turn out to have egg on my face and be wrong. I think that this is all a work and that the bullet club will be in wwe possibly sooner rather than later
1: wow talk about an extra inning home run to win game seven or game five in this case of hero or zero nick gets the win i was not expecting that answer right there nick and i'm really curious do you think they're currently working in concert now or do you yeah, just you, think you, that it's going to play uh, out that way what's up it, Brian? You gave Nick the win for not answering
3: the question. Yeah, he
1: brought something totally different. That's why I'm following up, Nick. What do you think? Like, are you think they're, do you think they're working in concert right now, or do you think they're just like gonna play it out into that? Well, here's all right. So, 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 let's talk about things that make sense and don't make sense.
0: Ring of Honor is not a threat to WWE. True or false? True. Right, Brian. True or false?
3: Well, Ring of Honor and NJPW teaming up together are a threat for the kind of revolution that I'm talking
0: about, Brian. True or false? New Talk Japan and Ring of Honor are a threat to WWE. True or false?
3: Only financial? No. Ticket sales, merch sales? No. They're not a threat to WWE. So the, so,
0: so, that's the answer. The answer is, is, is no. They're not a threat. That's the answer.
3: They're okay, not. But the answer this. Why did guys like Hall and Nash, more importantly, want to leave in their primes to go from WWE to WCW in the 90s? It it's wasn't completely It's different. was not just... Doubling the you know, or, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't just the increase in money. It was yeah the, the kind of idea that I can get the increase in money and work half the dates. I could control my future. I could also control the booking for the for those guys. Brian, it,
0: Brian, it, you started your point by saying that this is not a WCW thing. So now you're backtracking here. So you're you're, de- you're talking out of both sides me,
3: of your I, mouth. You're not letting me get to my point. I get to ask the the question to you. You get to ask a question to me to false, about Ring of Honor and I answer it. So then you can make your point. I asked you the question. You shut me down. So my point on this is. That's why they, those guys did it back in the 90s, right? That still works today. You wanna to know why? Because WWE is still running a chaotic, absurd 12-month schedule where you're traveling five days a week with no time off and the grind is ridiculous. That is attractive to these guys. What's even more attractive than that is the control of their creative destiny, which is what, part of the reasons why Kenny Omega is so incredible with NJPW, because he has such a vested stake in the booking presentation of his character. I wouldn't be so quick to the idea to believe that they're all coming and they're all just going to go there and they're going to accept whatever's given to them and still in their early 30s primes that they're going to do it. When they're 39, 40 to get the money and really cash in, yes, too early now. These guys are trying to start and finish that revolution that I'm talking about. What's left
0: for them to do? What's left? what finishes the revolution for Omega isn't winning the IGWP championship he doesn't need the belt he's the biggest star already and look maybe you say in Japan Naito's a bigger star or Okada's a bigger star but as far as this market is concerned the biggest star in New Japan pro wrestling is Kenny Omega and they they blew off the storyline with Okada when Omega beat him in the semifinals of the G1 the Young Bucks are already insanely popular Like, like what is the blow off of they can't beat WWE at some point they're going to join them and when they do you bet your bottom dollar that they're going to have some degree of creative freedom or else they're not going to go. I'm not saying that they're going to go and sign up and it's going to be garbage, right? Where Kenny Omega is going to face Dolph Ziggler in his debut and (laughs) suffer Dolph Ziggler for 10 minutes like Shinsuke Nakamura did. That's not going to happen, but I will bet you a gentleman's bet that by this time next year and possibly even by this time next summer, the elite and possibly and I'll say it, the elite plus Cody Rhodes will be in WWE.
3: Well, way too early. This is kind of full circle on our Vince versus Triple H debate.
0: They're not going to have any say
3: in what happens if Vince is still running the show. It's going to come in. They're going to be a B version of themselves. And you know Unless that they're working in concert now, which they I think that. is a possibility. They know that. And if you listen to any Kenny Omega interview, he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it to create a different type of legacy. To B.S. Create- he's right. doing it.
0: Everyone does it for the money. Okay, let me I don't talk care about-
3: what he says. So, so you said to me, what is left for him to do? Well, yes, win the IWGP championship number one to do that. They're on the idea of seeing how far this can go. New Japan is trying to invade the United States. Ring of Honor is trying to really make their biggest push ever. If they are the face of this, something new and fresh that's not part of the WWE mold, that they get to build it on their own, of course they're going to stay and be a huge, giant part of that. You cash in after injury and age when it's time to cash in. AJ, to a certain degree, cashed in. There was nothing left to do. They're not there yet. They have a chance. Again, they're they're not forcing WWE to bankruptcy, but maybe they get an American TV contract that matters. Maybe they get that or maybe they start like TNA head or maybe they start to cross over deeper than just Hot Topic stores in the U.S.,
0: which, by the way, it's a pretty damn big move. There's I don't disagree. I went to Hot Topic and I bought a Bullet Club shirt. So, I love I'm the saying, Bullet Club. We're on the build.
3: We're climbing the mountain right now. Nobody's cashing in right now because they you know what they're getting. If they do, they they're they're getting force fed storylines that they don't want. And they're working. Maybe.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? And Vince can also just say, hey, guys, you know what? You're making a million dollars now uh, and controlling all your booking. I'll give you two million. I'm going to double your money, and I get to decide what you do. What do you think about that? And they go, okay, yeah, Vince, you can give me two million dollars. He'll overpay if he needs to. He'll give them whatever creative freedoms he needs to. Not, not Kevin Nash well, creative give, freedoms.
0: He'll, he'll give Omega the freedom. Right, right. Not, everyone
1: else and, and, not, and not Kevin Nash creative freedoms. But, you know, there are guys in WWE, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, who had that ultimate – you know veto power in some ways and they they had it in their day that's in the 90s and there's guys there now john cena etc that have it as well so i think vince if he just says guys i'm tired of this let's just bring them in and make our product really popular again he overpays wwe can overpay that's that's all it needs to be
0: i could very well be wrong and i acknowledge that i think that they've already made the decision to bring these guys in no way I think that WWE has already made the decision to bring these guys in. Why did John Cena put that Instagram post up last year before WrestleMania of Kenny Omega?
3: I'll tell you, because Kenny's contract was up in January. We all know this. Kenny gave a hard look at it, but if you listen to his interviews, he talked about the reasons why he didn't do it. Do you
0: think that Cena did that independent of Vince McMahon? No, of course they did.
3: I'm not saying they don't have interest. They 100% do. I just believe that Kenny not only wants to get somewhere, I think he can get there to where they can go as far as they possibly can go where this can be a real revolution. Nick, it won't be a commercial revolution. It'll I think, be it's a criti- I think It'll- they're
0: working you. I think it's always about the money. Me personally. I Listen, I'm just a human being speaking as a human being. People can say whatever the hell they want. It's always about the money. Always. And anyone that tells you different is lying because you, listener, when your head hits the pillow at night, what's it about for you at the end of the day? It's about the money Damn it. It's about Very the money. It always has been, and it always will be.
3: Very few guys are still artists. Kenny Omega is an artist in this art form. Very and he could still
0: artists. be one. Why can't he be one in WWE?
3: He could. He could. I'm just saying, there's still a fight to be had, Nick. The war, it's a different kind of war, but the war is really just beginning.
0: God, that was a, a, a dramatic line <laughs> that leads to absolutely nothing.
3: Got that from the Bischoff school of, of uh, promos with think.
1: All right.
0: <laughs> so know, what, what the hell are we doing next year? Who won the points? Maybe, the
1: uh, you, I gave it to you. Uh, you know, uh, BC gave a really solid argument there back and forth. But I think the creativity and the uh, cocksureness of knowing that Bullet Club is coming in in January, February, I like it, Nick. Let's see if it pays off for you. And if it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. No, huh? Well,
0: everyone knows that I'm, I'm two things. Um, well, well, we'll just let that be. But um, <laughs> listen, I could very well be wrong. And I, I listen, I admit it. I'm not saying I'm right. And this could easily be a thing in three, four months where we're like, oh, handsome Nick was wrong. And I will say I was wrong because I could be wrong. I'm just saying that I think if you look at it, and try and analyze it and say from a business perspective, why is all of this happening? It seems like it's all one big work. That's how I feel. I think the Bullet Club will be in WWE at some point in the next year. Right, maybe wait, we'll, sooner
3: than later. One more thing on that. <laughs> you're saying it's all a big work that WWE and the Bullet Club have already had talks and said, when your contract is up, you're coming. So we're going to do little things that kind of feel like we're promoting you. Or do you think that WWE and Ring of Honor are talking? What? You know, separate what you're actually trying to say.
0: I don't have an answer to that question. I I don't know enough about the inner workings of Ring of Honor to give you an intelligent answer. I don't know.
3: Fair enough, fair enough. Because remember, there was talks at some point, at one point, that WWE would try to acquire uh, the rights to broadcast some of these independent territories for their own
1: network to bolster, you know, subscriptions to get more people to... To come on to them. Let's not forget, tying into Nick's potential idea, they are really going after this too sweet on TV. The commentators are saying it; they're showing it. Finn and AJ, whether that was planned or allowed or whatever the case, of course it was planned. There's uh, no chance so, that that
0: just happened. So point,
1: done. so point being, there's all of this stuff happening on WWE TV, and Michael Cole even announced them both as former leaders of the club. And I don't really know if they've ever made that connection with Finn Balor before. I know they've they done haven't. it. With Styles. So it was the first time that they mentioned Finn Balor in that role as well. No, so they've mentioned it. They, they've mentioned it in the past.
3: Moro Ronaldo used to mention it. Right. And then JBL would shut him down and be like, well, it doesn't matter. I don't care about your IWGGP. It doesn't matter until you come to, you know. Right. So
0: I spry. Brian, they're working you, Bri. They are working you, Brian Campbell. They're working everyone except oh, for oh. handsome Nick. Because <laughs> handsome Nick's got the not only is handsome Nick the best looking, but he's also got the biggest brain, and I will be proven to be correct. All right, let's move on now as I take my championship. Thank you very much, Silver King. And slide into the old DMs. Let's begin with our buddy. Oh, we have this. We have a sound effect. I forgot. Go ahead.
2: It goes down in the field. down. It goes down in the field. They go down. down Hello.
3: Tell you what, we're a hot mess today. We're we're stepping all, all and all over each other. This is what happens yeah, what you when, do? when you when you wake the beast and you get BC all angry with bad booking, right? This is what happens.
0: Right? <laughs> all right. Um. First up, DMs. Antoine Hill at twan seven two one says, "In your opinion, who's the greatest WWE wrestler, active or retired, to never win a world championship? That being WWF Championship, the World Heavyweight Championship, or the Universal Championship?" Brian Campbell. Go.
3: Oh, it's a great question, and and you can really go down some some deep holes here. I, my answer is very simple, though. It's Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. And I know that that's a, for a lot of yeah. people. And it's just like, obviously, he was at that level, you know, surefire Hall of Famer and all that just timing with injuries, never got that chance to get the full strap. Obviously, if he competed a little bit later when titles were passed around a lot quicker than even they were in the early to mid 90s, he would have had that chance. And I make this point a lot of, on this podcast. I'll talk to Bobby Roode about it. I grew up watching AWA on ESPN. And Pert Henning before he came to the WWF, when he was on top there and he was a heel and he was son of AWA legend, Larry, you know, Larry the Axe Henning, he was so good on top. Forget the Mr. Perfect Gimmick as just being a pure heel lead champion, face of the company. Obviously, he could have done that in WWE or WCW. It's a shame that he never got to that level. Easy pick.
1: Silver King, you go ahead. I actually, it was tough for me to pick one. I just can't, I'll I'll read my list. I came up with seven dudes, uh, Mr. Perfect, British Bulldog, Roddy Piper, Million Dollar Man, um, and Junkyard Dog, and Scott Hall was the sixth one. I think those, that's a really solid list of six. If I had to pick one, I'd say the British Bulldog, this guy was so over. The British Bulldog got incredible pops from the crowd, both as a face and a heel, and he definitely could have carried a WWE title. In London at Survivor Series, or at, in America, at in the
3: United States of America, he got huge. He's not, drops. Main, he's not main champion potential. Not not in those days. Maybe in two thousand seven when when anybody's putting straps.
0: I mean, Razor Ramon obviously could have had a run with the strap in the uh, in the 90s. Um, Mr. Perfect's a great answer. That was my original one. I think the other one that you could go to is Rowdy Roddy Piper. So, Twan, I hope we covered that well for you. Next up, it's our buddy at TalkBox. Tweets us all the time, buddy. We really appreciate you. He asked, what happened to all the NJPW love? Is this the Japanese equivalent of pay backlash season? I like that, combining payback and backlash into one horrendous big pay-per-view. I'm going to give an easy answer to this question. You guys can elaborate if you'd like. The answer is yes.
3: (laughs) It just might be. I mean, we did talk a few weeks ago about that really good pay-per-view main event with with, uh, Kenny Omega and uh, Juice Robinson. That was fantastic. But yeah, I think I'm taking a break, too, as well. I mean, it's football season. We know we're coming to the big one in January, right, guys? We know that tickets were just released. Tweets are just putting out there. January 4th, Wrestle Kingdom 12 at the Tokyo Dome, their version of Wrestlemania. We know that main event Kazuchika Okada, the IWGP heavyweight champ against G1 Climax winner Tetsuya Naito. Can't wait for that one. Can't wait to see where Omega ends up on that card. But me personally, I am taking He'll a face of Bushi. He'll, He'll face won. a
0: Bushi, right, for the, for the U.S. title.
3: But the main reason why, the G1 is so much to take down. There's so much to handle. Summer King and I were talking about this the other day. I look back on August. Where did I find the time to watch that much wrestling in one week? We think WWE makes us watch a lot of wrestling. That I was that well, it, like really, it was really
0: good. You were motivated to watch it because it was awesome. You made time for it. We all did.
3: But I mean, it's still good stuff going on. But yeah, they even though they have the US TV presence there, it's a small one on, you know, on access. And even though they do show you some of the matches that happen, they're not connecting the dots storyline to storyline. You still have to really work hard to stay in that zone. We'll let you know when there's a giant pay-per-view that you got to be watching. And I think Wrestle Kingdom, we're all going to be wired back in like one all over again.
0: And look, we will be back with New Japan Pro Wrestling when there is a time to be back for new Japan pro wrestling. And I'm going to and I don't want this to spark a discussion, but I want to say this one thing circling back to something we talked about. when Kenny Omega leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling, the interest will be a lot less from a lot of the American audience, possibly including myself and maybe you too also. Maybe you don't want to admit it, but that may be the case if there's no Kenny Omega. And let's close out the DMs at smitty 724 And this dovetails in, Bri, with the point that you made in Silver King, one that you made earlier as well. Tim says, I have noticed a ton of Bullet Club shirts at WWE events. So has anyone with a pair of eyes, Tim. He can't help <laughs> but relate it to something at, quote, real sporting events. He says it's like wearing a jersey of a team that isn't playing in a game, which in my opinion, is the worst maybe he's misinterpreting it because he's not a fan of the bullet club but he can't help but draw the comparison he asks is he crazy i will take the first answer yes tim you are crazy it's professional wrestling i went to SummerSlam 1997 guess what i wore an ecf and w shirt it's wrestling it's not sports you can do whatever the hell you want if i went to a wwe event well i wouldn't now because we covered for cbs i might wear a bullet club shirt or a kenny omega shirt because that's what I'm really into at the moment, and I like those guys better than the WWE guys. So, no, it's not a big deal, and yes, you are crazy, Tim.
3: I think he makes a good point in the comparison to real sports. In real sports, it is, it does suck. It is, It does bug the crap out of you, like like Tim just said right there. But you know what I think it does tell you, though? It tells you the pulse of the nation. It tells you the pulse of the real fan. When you're watching Raw and you're talking, you know, whether my whole spiel before about this revolution is real, when you're watching Raw and all you see is Bullet Club out there, it tells you that it is real. Same thing in the 90s when you turn on Raw and all you saw was NWO shirts. It tells you what the real fans are really into. So I'll
0: tell you this. If I go to a Miami Marlins game down here, or I go to a Miami Heat game or I go to a Dolphins game and none of my teams are playing, I'm wearing a Yankees hat. I'm wearing a Knicks jersey. I'm wearing a Giants pullover because I am repping my team no matter where the hell I go. So I disagree with that point about, like, I will always rep New York. So I don't even agree with Tim's point about the sports thing either.
1: I'm going to split the difference here. I think when you see a single Bullet Club shirt, you know, randomly in the crowd or an American Nightmare shirt or whatever in a WWE crowd, I think it's fine. I think it's a fan wearing the shirt that he's really excited about. But if you watched the last set of NXT tapings and you saw those 10 or 12 douchebag fans who all got an entire row right in front of the camera and all wore Bullet Club stuff, they did that on purpose. And if you're going to do that on purpose to try to get yourself over and get yourself noticed because, oh, hey, look, I'm at an NXT event in Orlando and I'm going to wear a Bullet Club shirt and you're going to see me on seven straight episodes, that's pathetic that's ridiculous and no you're not crazy tim if that's what bothered you but if one single shirt in a raw audience bothered you then yeah worry about some bigger things in life
0: i gotta say that might have been silver king's best rant ever silver king i enjoyed that and and well said buddy and let's close the show out as we do each and every week with what hit us in the old field spot brian campbell go ahead quick and
3: easy on this one we've loved this alistair black velvet team dream feud on nxt for weeks now man did it take a great turn and this This week's episode, Wednesday night, when Velveteen Dream interrupted Black's entrance, beat him down from behind, showed real viciousness. We've seen the creepy stuff from Dream. We've seen, you know, the effeminate stuff. His character is incredible. Now we saw almost the dark, vicious stuff. Tied up Alistair Brack in the ropes, got in his face and did the whole say my name thing as he slapped him. Love, love, love where this is heading. This is arguably... The best feud going on right now in WWE. Come back with a kick on me and and tell me you're crazy. This right now is so good, and we haven't even seen them once in a wrestling ring in a real match against each other. Thank you for booking this, Triple H. This is what we love. Take this stuff to the main roster, Take it right now. Feel spot, activated.
1: That's been my, I think, feel spot two of the last three weeks. I am with you. That is the top feud in the entire company. My feel spot, I'm actually going to give my time up this week, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Paul Heyman is a genius, and Paul Heyman said this about Jinder Mahal on Monday Night Raw. You,
2: Jinder Mahal, the make-believe Maharaja, with 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 the sing 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 along brothers standing behind you, doing my shtick of introducing you? Are you kidding me? You're not Brock Lesnar's equal. You're not Brock Lesnar's contemporary. You're not Brock Lesnar's counterpart on SmackDown Live. You're not even a worthy pretender to the throne of being WWE champion. What? We think of WWE champions. We think of Bruno Sammartino, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, and ladies and gentlemen, my client, Barack Lester. We don't think of Jinder Mahal.
0: Perfection achieved. That was great stuff. Great stuff from Paul Heyman. No question about it. And uh, he destroyed Jinder. There's really nothing more to add on that. Oh, that's the most disrespectful
2: too. WWE champion Jinder Mayhall.
0: I mean, how how can you (laughs) say that about Jinder Mayhall? Like that's absurd. Well, I mean, of course, he's the WWE champion. So male, the (laughs) WWE champion, so says Kurt Angle. My feel spot, guys, I'm so loving the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens stuff. We haven't mentioned it yet on the show. We've done a ton of it. I thought both guys were really funny on SmackDown when Sami Zayn said it's going to be the Kevin Owens, the Kevin and Sammy team, and then Owens goes, no, it's going to be the Sammy and Kevin team. Kevin leaves and Zayn just goes, man, what a great guy. Really funny. <laughs> so you got the comedy, you've got the vicious heel act. And I still think and it was a good main event, the uh, the Orton-Zayn main event. Orton wins and puts himself on the Survivor Series team for SmackDown. I still think Owens will lose to Nakamura next week somehow, some way. Nakamura will get on the SmackDown team. But Zayn and Owens will somehow finagle their way onto that team. There's no question about it. So I love the Zayn-Owens partnership. I love heel-Sammy Zayn. So that hit me in the all-feel spot for the week. And that Nick, does it for this week's. So go ahead, Bry.
3: I think Zayn's the best thing going on SmackDown Live for three to four weeks now.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you a step further. I think that Sammy Zayn is the best thing going on in all of WWE right now.
3: Wow, wow. I mean, I, I can't argue that he's 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 being everything we always wanted to be as a face, like our dream scenario of him getting pushed as a face, but he's doing it as a heel. It's, it's incredible.
0: And that does it for this week's edition of In This Corner with the Brian Campbell. So for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am handsome Nick Costos. BC has two words for you as we depart for the week.
3: We out.